0: this is sort of part two of something we talked about two weeks ago from Philippians 3. And this is sort of the second part of Philippians 3, but not really, because um, I'm just going to focus a fair bit on verses 10 and 11 tonight. Uh, It was so good I didn't get far beyond it. Uh, So let's pray and we'll commence. Father, open your word to us now. Thank you for the brilliant texts of Scripture. May they stir our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago we asked the question, uh, which story is the story that will shape our lives? And I referred to a writer named Debbie Thomas who says that she and her husband used to often play a game with their children where they asked the question, which story do you want to be part of? She says, over the years we cycled through Narnia, Wonderland, and Oz. For a while, my daughter's heroine was Anne of Green Gables, so we lived on Prince Edward Island. Our Middle Earth phase lasted for years and required many, many decisions about Tolkien's elaborate story world. Would we live in Rivendell or the Shire? Be elves or dwarves or hobbits or humans? Would we venture into Mirkwood or visit Lothlorien? And just the other day, my son said, I hope things happen in heaven. I hope heaven has a good story. Otherwise, it will be boring. In which story, in whose story, will we find the meaning of life? And in Philippians 3, Paul passionately, there's tears at the end of the chapter, Paul passionately identifies himself, his life, his ambitions, his identity with Jesus. He's writing this perhaps 25 years after Christ's life, death and resurrection and he has told his readers and he tells us tonight that he will indwell the story of Christ. He will totally identify with, be completely captured by and live in imitation of Christ Christ. And this is remarkable because Christ was crucified. The cruel, agonising death at the cross, the burial of Jesus and then the resurrection. It's those events that Paul focuses on when he says he finds this to be the most compelling story for life. And it's not as though there weren't other stories on offer in the ancient world. There were a myriad of stories of triumph and conquering, other gods, other powers, Roman heroes, Augustus, Julius Caesar, and Paul chooses Jesus. He says it's that story, the story of Christ, that one alone, which is worthy of complete identification. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And in this first month of 2022, with its challenges abounding for families and businesses, for schools, for churches, and for each of us individually, uh, let's hear freshly the challenge and invitation of Paul in Philippians 3. He says in 10 and 11, and I want to focus on those two verses for a while here now, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. There is something profoundly simple when an author says there's just one thing I want. Psalm 27, the author said that as well. This one thing. And here is Paul being profoundly simple about the purpose of life. It's a deep singularity of purpose. It's a profound clarity of purpose, which embraces everything about life. What's life boiled down to? What is essential? In Philippians 3, Paul says that the goal of everything is to know Christ. The goal of everything is to know Christ. That's what he has decided. It strikes me as important as he uses the term Christ here, which is synonymous with king. The goal of everything is to know the king. The goal of everything is to know the anointed, chosen king. The goal of everything is not to know about, not mere information, but to have a vibrant, experienced, living, imitating relationship with the king, with Christ. Because the spirit of the king has been distributed to the king's people. And Paul is saying now the goal is clear. I want to know Christ. And then he unpacks that in 3.10 and explains what that most centrally means for him. And we might be surprised by what he says here. He says, probably expectantly, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I take that to mean I want to know his life-giving presence. I want to know his gifts. I want to know his strength. I want to know his Favor, I want to know his blessing in my life. But then he says, I want to participate in his suffering. I want to have fellowship with the suffering Jesus. He's using here the word participation for what we do at church when we have fellowship. I want to have koinonia. I want to... Participate in his sufferings. I want to know Christ's self-giving love, attentive care for others, truth-telling when it's tough, going the extra mile, getting his hands dirty. I want to know the sufferings, the sacrificial love of Christ. That's what I want to participate in. Then he says, going further... I want to become like him in his death. And it's always struck me, wouldn't you have expected him to say there, I want to become like him in his life? He says, I want to become like him in his death. When he says here, I want to become like him, he's actually using one of the form words, I want to conform with his death. I want to be moulded into his dying. I want my withness to be shaped by crucifixion. Why? Because, I think, on the cross, Christ was preeminently obedient magnificently trusting, beautifully faithful and courageous and powerfully loving. Paul says, when I look at Jesus on the cross, that's what I want to be moulded into. That's what I want to be formed by. He wants to be like Christ As he was dying. In 318, later in the chapter, Paul is going to say that there are people who have become enemies of the cross. Here, Paul is saying he is a friend of the cross because the cross is a visualization, an exemplar, a model of the way to live. That's what we want to be formed into, he says. And then he finishes by saying, and my future hope is to attain to my own resurrection as he expects that he will go through bodily lifting up, transformation when he dies or when Christ returns to live physically with Christ in the new creation. Paul has said four things about knowing Christ the two outside ones were the power of the resurrection and attaining to the resurrection. But the two inside ones are participation in his suffering and becoming like him in his death. And let me say that I think what Paul is saying is that you will only know resurrection when you embrace your weakness. You will know his power when you are a participant in self-giving love, in emptying, that God's resurrection rests on the moulded dying to self. Paul says he does it every day in Corinthians. I die daily. In Romans he says, I carry in my body, and in Corinthians, I carry in my body the dying of Jesus so that I can offer you the living of Jesus It's pretty remarkable that he chooses this as the story to live by. It's an ultimate story. I was gonna say it's a tragic story. It's not a tragic story because of its outcome, but it's a surprising story. It's a scandal that the king was shaped by the cross and his disciples are molded into that so that they might also experience resurrection. So let's step back from Philippians 3 for a minute and work into our own lives for a moment. You get out of bed in the morning, hopefully you've had a good night's sleep, and you've got things planned for the day. Perhaps you're going into the factory for work or the office. Perhaps you're staying at home with the family, minding the children or the grandkids. Perhaps you're struggling with sickness or pain and you're going to spend a day at home. Perhaps you're working through some conflicts or... Caring for some others in the church. Perhaps it's a day for shopping or study or minding kids or visiting with a neighbour. Just think about the ordinariness of life. We get out of bed in the morning because we have some things to do, plans and goals. But what is the binding purpose that encompasses all those others? Paul would say it's to know Christ in the office, minding the kids doing the shopping, caring for the neighbour, working through those conflicts. It's to know Christ in all the stuff of life. Knowing Christ determines how we will act and speak. Living in relationship with Christ, being guided by Christ, being led by the Spirit of Christ, displaying the love of Christ, offering to others the life Christ offers, honouring Christ in all that we think or do, Or say, in wholehearted imitation of Christ, in sincerity, not secrecy, in dependence, not independence, in participation, not withdrawal. It's an obedient life. It's a responsive life. It's a relational life. It's an attentive life. It's a prayerful life. It's life in Christ, the King. 24-7. Do you remember the prayer that Brother Lawrence famously taught in the 1600s, late 1600s, where he worked in the kitchen of a monastery in Paris? He wasn't one of the monks who got to copy manuscripts or lead liturgical prayer. He was the cook in the kitchen. And yet he was known for his holiness and wisdom and people would come and visit his kitchen to listen to him. And his well-known prayer at the front of the book called The Practice of the Presence of God is, Lord, make me a saint by washing pots and pans. Lord, make me a saint by washing pots and pans that's where he practiced the presence of god christ was in the kitchen paul affirms that he's still working on this in 3 12 13 and 14 he says i'm pressing on i'm still working on this he pictures himself as an athlete forgetting what's behind straining forward to the finishing line I'm pressing to the goal to win the prize, and the prize is Christ. I'm running to Jesus, I'm running with Jesus, and I'm pressing into that, he says. He says, Christ took hold of me, and I want to take hold of Christ. He's talking about the Damascus Road experience, where he came to faith in Christ, and Christ, as it were, captured him as he saved him. He rounded him up, he grabbed a hold of him and Paul says, I want to cling to Jesus like Jesus clings to me. I want to hold on to Jesus like Jesus holds on to me. There's this sort of mutuality of a hug, a divine hug between the king and the subject, the son. I'm pressing on to that, I'm running hard, I'm not looking back. And then in 15 to 17, he says, look at me and do the same as I'm doing because you can follow my example. And he says it with all humility. He beckons the believers in Philippi to follow his example and the example of others who live this way. Timothy, Epaphras, and so we are exhorted likewise. And then in 18 to 21, he says, look, I weep because so many oppose the way of Christ and live as enemies of the cross. They don't want that kind of king. They want a Caesar, they want a Roman general, they want a Zeus, they want a Greek god, they want Baal, they want something else. They're driven by their own wants. They do not imitate Christ and their destiny will be their destruction. For those who come to Christ, the destiny will be resurrection, transformed bodies in a new creation. So Paul says he's waiting. He's waiting for Christ. He's running to Christ. He's running with Christ. And one day we will all share, he says, in physical resurrection, full transformation in the kingdom. Of Christ, How can we press into that commitment for 2022, given that these are times when different ones of us are perhaps experiencing increased anxiety or disappointment or frustration or perhaps even resentment, struggling in new ways with loss of purpose, loss of relationship, loss of confidence? New, lazy ways, perhaps, that we've embraced. Withdrawing. How can we press on to know Christ in times such as these? Well, three or four suggestions for us to take away and think about tonight. But as Paul says in different ways on a number of occasions in Philippians, the way to do this, is to make a wholehearted commitment to a community that is doing this. That is the church. I love what we heard on the Fund video. The church is the body of Christ. It is the locus of hope. It is the community of power in resurrection and participation in suffering. Make a wholehearted commitment this year to participate in a community that is pressing on to know Christ and that's Alive at Five for us. This community, its ministries and activities, its prayer and care, its hospitality. Join a small group, share meals, go walking, get a prayer partner, be at the Sunday gathering. Press on to know Christ with your sisters and your brothers in this church. We do this as a community. Christ is within and among. Secondly, love heroes, models, saints who have gone before you and done this and let your imagination be fueled by biographies and reading and relationships with people who are older who've done this that you know about. Some of them may be in this church. But let me ask you, who are your heroes? Who are the people who inspire you? Who has embodied the kind of knowing Christ that you want to be like? Along the way for me there's been Cory Ten Boom What a marvellous relationship with the Lord she had. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, George Mueller. More recently, reading Eugene Peterson's biography about his burning heart, one would say, I want to get there. Who are your heroes? Who are our inspirations? Ask each other, who is it that you've read about that made you weep and long to be like that in prayer or like that in holiness or like that in courage or commitment? Who are your heroes? Thirdly, why not prayerfully put our minds to developing some new practices and habits at the beginning of this year? Or perhaps redeveloping some that have dropped off. Do you have a prayer diary? Do you read scripture or memorise scripture? Do you walk and pray with a friend? Are you journaling about what God is doing? But not just those kind of disciplines. How are you going with the use of your phone, or television watching, or exercising, or dieting, or sleeping well? What are life habits that will help you know Christ? What are some things that you need to do or stop doing that will help you know Christ? Perhaps it's a different attitude about washing pots and pans, like Brother Lawrence, Lord, make me a saint by washing pots and pans. Finally, become a friend of the cross. Immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus. We're going to be in John this year and John has this radical vision of Jesus on the cross as enthroned. The cross is his throne in John. He rules from the cross. He's glorious at the cross. John sees the horror of the cross but he turns it all upside down and invests the cross in his descriptions in chapters 12 and 17, 19, with glory, which is remarkable. Become a friend of the cross, immerse ourselves in the cross. Ask the Holy Spirit to capture our hearts for our participation in the cross, making Christ's story my story. This year, may each of us be able to join Paul in affirming Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to fellowship with him in his sufferings. I want to be molded into his death. And then I want to journey towards my own resurrection with Christ. I mean, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, but I think we're going to do a song first of all. So let's do that first.
1: So I think this might be a new song for some people, Um, but I chose it because I thought it was. Hopefully going to reflect some of those things that Rod has just spoken about. So hopefully it does. Hope you'll find some helpful truths in here anyway.
0: Thanks, Musos, for a great set of songs tonight, beautifully done. And singers, I really appreciate uh, you leading us. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper, and if uh, you're at home on Zoom, perhaps you uh, would like to get some elements, and here in the Ministry Centre, we um, uh, have the leadership group handing around those elements. Uh, so that uh, we can all share together in a few moments' time. Thanks, uh, Paul. Paul often speaks, as he does in Philippians, about God's strength in his weakness, God's power in his participation in suffering. And uh, one of those texts is 2 Corinthians 4, seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body strange overlay isn't it of death and life suffering and resurrection and yet paul says that's what we do always that's what we always do Uh, and then in philippians he says i want to know christ the power of his resurrection the participation in his suffering and that really is why we eat and drink uh, of elements that remind us of the body and the blood of jesus shed at the cross and crucified and so the invitation tonight is to do this together because we do this as a community of fellowship and participation in the body of Christ and so for those who are on zoom and for those who are here in the hall we invite you to participate in this visible representation of faith in the crucified and risen christ so let's pray as we think about what we're about to do together father god we thank you that you invite us to know you and to step into an intimate partnership, relationship and love with you together. And so as we eat and drink now, we want to say again to you, we want to know you. We want to know the power of resurrection and participation in suffering, being conformed to dying so that we might live in your presence forever. And what that means for us in friendship or family, in work, at home, in neighbourhood, in times of sickness, in uncertainty, in anxiety, in frustration. We pray that you would be with us in all of those and make yourself known to us in ways that we can take hold of you as you've taken hold of us. Um, Washing dishes, serving others, celebrating and lamenting, writing and thinking, reading and wondering, all of the things of life, may we do them with you, Christ Jesus. And may we now be strengthened in our faith, hope, and love as we testify again to our commitment to know Christ in the eating and the drinking together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope everyone has something to drink and something to eat. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's eat together the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you died for our sin. You entered into our suffering and you defeated sin's power and showed us your love. Let's drink together this remembrance of the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you shed your blood for us. You were our Passover lamb. conquered death, received us home from exile, and forgave our sins so that we can be your children, your heirs, your family in Christ. We bless you tonight. Thank you for Alive at Five. Thank you for those who are on Zoom with us from a distance. Bless them in their places. And bless those who aren't well tonight and remind them of your comfort and love, your strength. You are a rock in the turmoil. And be that rock for people in Tonga, as we've already prayed tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Well, thank you for being part of a a wonderful service Uh, this evening. Let's revisit a couple of things that uh, Rod Rod spoke about. Well, we've got heaps of, let me suggest, heaps of stories and narratives that we can embrace this week, don't we? They're all around us. But in which story do we want to live? In which story might we find the meaning of life? Well, maybe... Let's emulate Paul's example and totally, completely throw our lot in with Jesus. Because the goal is clear, isn't it, I hope? What's the aim? We want to know Christ. So, let's pray. Lord, this week, whatever we're doing, be it washing pots and pans, be it loading or unloading the dishwasher, whatever it is, Lord, use these situations and turn us into saints, please. May we want to be like you, Lord, make us saints this week. Thanks, Father, for being an awesome God, and we look to you this week. Amen. Amen. Well, have an excellent week, whatever it entails, and with all the things that it will entail, if you're at home, then I think Lisa and Warren, who have kindly been doing the tech for us tonight, can put you in a chat room or two and enjoy community and enjoy having a chat. If you're here in the Ministry Centre, enjoy each other's company for a while before going home and maybe getting on board and cheering along Ash Party, who's playing at 7 o'clock tonight. See you next week. <laughs> you <laughs>
1: at the last